When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say, from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say, of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. So as I said to the children, Jesus this morning addresses the issue of authority. He's being questioned about authority. Authorities a big deal among, uh, among religious organizations. Particularly because it seems, you know, folks want to, um, want to be seen as having some kind of insight into what God wants. And some, some churches take this notion of authority very seriously, uh, and, they, and they, they have reasons for why a particular group or a particular person might have a 40. Take the Catholic Church, for example, has a uh, apostolic succession is what gives the Pope authority. That is the, the notion that, that Peter was made, was given authority over the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom were given to him. And upon that rock, upon Peter, was that church built. And if you uh, if you are Catholic, your conviction is that Peter passed on that authority from himself on to every pope since uh, has been gone through succession up to the pope we have now, uh, who has that authority because of that line of apostolic succession. Uh, other other. F- places bestow authority on people through particular kinds of anointing. For example, uh, someone might be called into a particular place of leadership because they were called out and someone laid on hands and, and because they had authority, that authority was passed on to someone else. There's this kind of hierarchical structure where someone in charge has said, I'm putting you, I'm giving you authority over this group or over this thing. And then there's some kind of laying on of hands. Uh, authority is very, and I, and all of that sounds a little strange to me because I'm Baptist, right? <laughs> because in the Baptist church, it doesn't work that way. Uh, the authority, this is the authority in the Baptist church. And, uh, and the Bible 
is kind of the authority in the Baptist church. And what that means is that we all have to kind of wrestle with the Bible a little bit and discern together uh, what comes out of it. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly educating people about how it works in the Baptist church in that, uh, you know, I only have uh, authority that is lended to me by the congregation. And even then, uh, that's scant, right? <laughs> uh, I often tell people I have all the responsibility and no power, right? <laughs> but what, what that means is that there, what we have here is a, is a shared responsibility, and it even goes beyond that. And while, while I, and, and I'm, I'm dwelling on this a minute because, because we as society, people have often invested in people like me, clergy people, a particular amount of authority that puts them at a higher plane than other people and puts them in a place where they can abuse their authority. And so I'm going to dwell on this for a second and point out how important it is to put clergy like myself in the right place. (laughs) And the right place is that, as we in the Baptist church do, we all have a sense of calling. And yes, I have a sense of calling to be a, a pastor in a church. And, and certainly when this congregation called me to be pastor, they said, we kind of see that calling in your life as well. But that's not to say that any of the other work we are all called to do together is any different or any better or any more anointed by God or anything like that. In fact, I guarantee you, if I had showed up off the street and I said, hey, I feel called to pastoral leadership, and you'd be surprised how many people come into my office wanting to take, get in that pulpit because they tell me this kind of stuff. If I had come in and said to the search committee, I feel called and you should just call me, to, God has called me to this place and I want to be your pastor, but I didn't have any education or experience, it never would have happened. <laughs> right? If anything, what is most significant about my being here is my education and my experience and a a sense of collective mission together. That is, that we're a good fit for each other. And really, authority resides within us as the church. And and even if I were uh, a very authoritative leader, uh, that only happens when there's some consent there, even in the most authoritative uh, religions. Uh, it's often said that a, a, a leader without followers is just a guy out for a walk, right? <laughs> so this question of authority is really, it's an important one when it comes to religion, because I also think it is the abuse of that authority that has perhaps put the church in a very defensive or, or declining situation. People are resisting that sense of authority that has been invested in people like myself, over the centuries. And that has been abused and it puts us in a very awkward position. That's why I like being Baptist. I love being Baptist. Because if we're not working together, you know, if we're not, a part, if we're not in partnership, if we're not all recognizing that we must discern together the vision and the direction of Jesus Christ in our community, 
then it's utter chaos. And it shows, everyone knows it. <laughs> but when we're working together, it is, it is beauty, it is, it is eloquence, it is, it is dynamic and inspiring. So Jesus is confronted in this story today on his authority. Where do you get off? And, and by the way, I don't blame them really because it comes right on the heels of Jesus doing a bunch of very provocative things. The first thing he is, he, he rides into town on a donkey, which, uh, you know, on Palm Sunday, raising a whole bunch of ruckus and basically acting as though he had just won the war. And so very provocative uh, protest, if you will, against the authorities in Jerusalem and against Caesar. And then he goes straight into the temple and he starts yelling at people and he starts dumping tables over and he's freeing the birds for some reason and knocking everything around. And everyone's like, what on earth has gotten into you? What are you so upset about? And so these, the priests and the elders come to him and go, by what authority are you doing this? It says in the scripture. And that this they're talking about is coming in and tearing up the temple. By what authority? Where do you get off doing that? Who do you think you are? Exactly. And it's a tree. And, and the people who are asking them are the authorities. <laughs> are the ones who biblically and traditionally have the authority over the people and over the temple. They are the authorities. And so they have a lot. They, they're wondering what's going on here because they are, Jesus is basically confronting their authority. And rather than get into it, Jesus had a couple of ways to go. He could have, he could have said, you know, by, by my own authority, really is what he should have said. I'm the son of God. I can do whatever the heck I want. I am Jesus after all. Uh, he could have done that. He didn't do that. He, uh, but they were looking for, traditionally what they would have done is he would have cited his own teacher and said, it's by so-and-so's authority, who we all know is very wise and, and very great person, like Socrates or something like that. Uh, he didn't do that. Instead, he says, look, I'll answer your question if you answer my question. Like a good rabbi, he, he, uh, he answers a question with a question. And he asks them about John's authority. Where does John the Baptist get his authority? Well, and this gets them all worked up because they know that if they say... Uh, John gets his authority from God, then they, then they undermine their own authority. And if they say, well, John didn't have authority, then it upsets the crowd, and pretty soon they're having to field phone calls and hate mail. So, so they're kind of stuck in a little spot, and they refuse to answer this question. This question Jesus poses kind of puts, it accomplishes a couple of things. One is, first of all, it aligns Jesus and the ministry of Jesus with the ministry of John. John who confronted the authorities and said, you think you are righteous and you think that your righteousness is secured by your birthright. You think it's part of just being a, he a, a Hebrew child, but that is not where your righteousness comes from. Your righteousness comes through doing the will of God. And he calls them to repentance and he declares the kingdom of God belongs to those who believe. Not by those who are just born children of Abraham, but by those who believe. So he confronts the whole theological premise of 
the priests and the elders' authority, and in fact, even their own righteousness. So Jesus just aligned himself with someone who was already executed for his opinions about who has authority and who doesn't and who is righteous and who is not. So Jesus aligns himself with John and then he starts to question this. It does this other thing of questioning what, where authority really comes from. And he, and he, tells, this, he tells this parable and then he goes on to say, that it is the prostitutes and the tax collectors who will go, who will be first into the kingdom of God ahead of the priests and the elders. Now, as you can imagine, that went over like a, a lead balloon. But what Jesus seems to be saying here is that authority is not tied to your lineage. It's not tied to who does what. But it is tied to who who you invest that authority in, and furthermore, what the effects of that authority have on you. Why is Jesus saying the the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going to go into the kingdom of God ahead of the priests and the elders? Because when they were given the good news that Christ brought, when they heard John's message of turn away from the world and turn toward the kingdom of God, they responded. And they said, that has implications for me. I want to be in an, I want to respond to God's leading. I want to live a different kind of life. I want to hear the word of God coming from John and have that be, be a part of my life. I want to follow where God is leading through John and now through Jesus. In other words, they, allowed that word, that good news, that message to sink in and to transform and to move their lives in a different direction. Contrast that with the Pharisees and the elders and the priests whose only desire seemed to be to hang on to their authority and their power. And the message of John and the message of Jesus just bounced on them like it was nothing. And so at the end of the day, I think what Jesus is ultimately getting at is that authority is, is really only rightly placed and really is only meaningful if it transforms your life. The Word of God, the Bible that we read, I pray that we read, this is the hymnal, but same thing. <laughs> the Word of God that we read all the time, it's meaningless. It's meaningless unless it sinks in. I got into it. I was a part of a debate once over biblical issues, and you know, someone wanted to get into it anyway. And, and we got into. Uh, I got into this question about authority, and of course, I didn't make a very good answer. I wasn't really. It wasn't a great debate, but <laughs> but we got into this question about authority, and I made all kinds of. Uh, statements about that. But what I should have said is that really the only authority that is meaningful is the one that transforms our lives. The only reason the Bible is authoritative is not because of who wrote it, but because of what it says. Amen? 
The only reason the Bible is worth anything is because it transforms our lives. Amen? It must be transformative. It must change our direction. It must point us towards something life-affirming and loving and wonderful. Or that authority is useless. Tax collectors and prostitutes heard the Word of God coming from John and Jesus, and they said, this is changing my life. And I will never be the same. I will never be the same. And they moved in a different direction. The priests and the elders, all they heard was someone confronting their authority. And they were desperate to hang on to it. I think the message we have for us today is that every sermon I give, every verse you read, every song you sing about Jesus, every prayer you pray is pointless unless it somehow transforms our lives. Amen? Pointless unless it transforms our lives. And I think what Jesus is begging the priests and the elders to do is to let the Word of God transform their lives. We don't know if they listened or not. But its authority doesn't matter unless it's transformative. Changes who we are for the better, I might put caveat on. (laughs) For the better. God sent Christ change things 2,000 years ago and today God sends Christ to change let us pray loving and gracious God you have called us into community and we choose who to follow and who to listen to who not to follow We choose whether the Bible affects us or not. We choose whether uh, other people of faith affect us. We pick which group to be a part of and which words to listen to. Give us the, the wisdom to discern Your Holy Spirit at work in the in the Scriptures, in the groups we are a part of, in the lives of the people we come in contact with, that we might be transformed for the good. May we also be bearers of that good word that this world might be transformed one connection at a time. We ask these things in the mighty and powerful name of Christ. Amen.